Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Saturday morning, uh, August 31st, 2019, and Jadavian Clowney pending physicals by players involved will be a Seattle Seahawk. What the hell? How are you doing, fellas? I think Evan's in shock. I think I might have a heart attack. Oh, that'd be good. It would be good podcast uh, TV. So, you know, as long as Alex is around to take care of you. She's not. She's in Seattle this weekend. Can we just say John fucking Schneider for a second? I was told by so many fucking haters in this world that he was on the hot seat the past couple years. What has John Schneider done this season? What has he done? The season hasn't even started and he's had a championship offseason. This is incredible. This is incredible. I mean, Mingo was not going to make the roster. We were talking about cutting Mingo. Trading Mingo? I mean, we're not even talking about the cap savings aspect of this. This saves the Seahawks an additional five, four, whatever million dollars this year. Like, if you really think about it, when they're trading Martin and Mingo and the cost of the Clowney tag, the net cost for Clowney is only like $10 million. Have you thought about that? Because Mingo costs, you know, he say by trading him, he say it saves us like five million dollars. It's insane. Add on Evans' point, John Schneider, so far this offseason, resigned Russell Wilson, maybe the hardest task he had to do. Resigned Bobby Wagner, made the Frank Clark trade, turned all that extra picks into all the guys they've gotten, DK Metcalf at the end of the second. And now this just went. The range of emotions we've all had since the Dwayne Brown stuff last night has been crazy. And I couldn't put it any easier than this. John Schneider just took Bill O'Brien, who's not a GM, 
who was put in a desperate position, he took him to school. Because if you look at like a comparable trade, Khalil Mack's obviously at a different level than Clowney is. But those guys got two first rounders and extra picks for Mack last year at around the same time. They gave up a third, a late third potentially, if the Seahawks are as good as we think, which they're already getting from Earl Thomas, a guy they were going to cut. And Jacob Martin's a good young player. And I, it sucks they have to give him up. That's He was a good player at a cheap price, but man. This deal is so one-sided, it is ridiculous. Well, uh, time for a new background here for a second, guys. Um, so, there's, there's so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about. And I will say that, like, in my wildest dreams, I did not expect that the Seahawks would be able to consummate a trade for Jadavian Clowney that included a player that they were 100% going to cut today. 100%. There's no way Barkevius Mingo is going to be on this roster after today, regardless of this trade. And he's part of the deal. This really, to me, in a lot of ways, is a Jacob Martin plus a third rounder trade. And <laughs> the rest of the NFL won't see it that way. Most you know, like Texans fans are going to be like, who the hell's Jacob Martin? Uh, most Seahawks fans will be like, who the hell's Jacob Martin? He's the, he's the most valuable part of this deal, in my opinion. I think Jacob Martin is a young pass rusher with three years left of contract control who has upside. And that's a meaningful give. Like, I think in some ways, Jacob Martin is a more valuable piece or potentially more valuable piece than if they had included a Jermaine Effetti. So, you know, Effetti was a guy who was on a last year of his deal. The Seahawks are almost certainly not going to re-sign him next year. Uh but, you know, he, Martin was not a starter and Martin was not, it was not clear how many snaps he was going to get with Clowney coming here. And as I was tweeting in the middle of the night last night, I really like, I really see the potential for Clowney to be, oh, I just saw finalized. So I don't know if that means that the physicals passed. You guys seeing this? Uh, from who? Uh, where did I just see it? Um, My timeline is going at like Patrick, light. The guy from uh, Houston that's broke it. He says uh, finalized. So I'm I'm opening it up on uh, on Twitter here. I'll I'll grab the link to the tweet and put it in. Oh my god! That. Um, How did they do this? I don't know, man. I would. How I was... did they do this? This shit is like. Like, this wouldn't work in Madden. No, they would reject that in Madden. Easy. That wouldn't even come close. <laughs> Here's, what happened. Here's what happened. So, Houston and Miami worked out a deal. And this was a very unique situation because Clowney wouldn't go to the Dolphins. So, Bill O'Brien, who's not a GM, he's acting GM. They had an issue with the, the GM who they fired. He was put in a position where he had to get desperate because Clowney wasn't reporting there. Seattle emerged after that Miami thing fell through and Schneider just feasted on the week because they had no leverage. They had nothing left. And after the Miami thing fell through, there was very limited trade partners. So not a lot of teams had the cap room or the picks. The best part about the pick thing, and we're going to get into this later, Seattle has a third round pick coming next year from their old Thomas comp. So they're basically giving up nothing. Well, Jacob Martin is great, but 
this was a unique scenario where John Schneider just pounced on. This isn't Sheldon Richardson. I saw Ben tweet that out. They're not acting desperate. They were actually in a position of strength here. I mean, consider that even this is a one-year rental. Let, let's yeah. assume they're not extending him. The compensation is absolutely reasonable. Yeah. Like, assuming they don't even extend him, assuming he's a one-year rental, phenomenal compensation. Yeah, so let's, let's play, that out. Play, play that out for a second. Let's assume – we don't know which third-round pick they're getting. Let's assume for a second it's the lower of the third-round picks, like which would be the comp pick, which is the end of the third round. Comp picks are always the end of the third round. And what you're getting is a guy who, if he is a rental, very likely, very likely – gets a, a contract next year in the open market that will be a 2021 third round comp pick. So you're basically moving your comp pick back one year in the same round to get Jadavian Clowney. So in some ways, you know, you're, it's a Jacob Martin and Barkevius Mingo for Clowney deal. Yeah, they cancel out. And if you re-sign them, then this pays dividends potentially for years because you have the cap space you have – I don't think people realize how unique of a player Jadavian Clowney is. Brian, you touched on this sort of in the middle of the night. This isn't Sheldon Richardson where you're kind of fitting him into a hole that he's going to have to take eight weeks to learn. If you saw, like, the kind of impact Khalil Mack made right away in the first game without practicing last year, probably won't be at that level. But Clowney in this defense and, and Ziggy Ansah is probably going to play this week. This – changes everything this completely changes the complexion of their team especially defensively and they didn't give get, up get this get this i'm sorry to cut you off no, a, fan no, just sent, a fan just sent me a screenshot <laughs> of of the madden uh trade console the trade was declined by Madden. <laughs> i gotta I retweet that out uh, oh my god uh yeah i just i just tweeted it that's Wild. This is insane. Uh, Clowney is a dominant, dominant edge player. And he, apparently he's in phenomenal shape. Where is he going to forward play next to Jadavian Clowney? I mean, come on. Who can afford Jadavian Clowney in six weeks? Jaron Reed, Ziggy Yansa. And they didn't give up any starting linebackers or any of their good backups. Yeah, that was so like, that was so weird for a second when they're like two linebackers and I'm like, what? <laughs> they want Austin Calitro because they're not oh. getting they're not getting any of our starters. There's no way. And then I was like, wait a second, they run a three four. They don't want any of our linebackers. Our defensive ends are their linebackers. So that was confusing for for Twitter for a little while. Um, I I would have guessed it would have been Mingo and Marsh. Would have been my yes. That would have been. That then I would have been like because I, I think too far. Yeah, I think they would have cut Marsh had they not um, kept Martin. So, um, yeah, Marsh probably makes the team now. So yeah, I mean, what this does to some extent is this also really, man, Rasheem Green. He is going to get chances. He is going to get chances because Martin's not there. Um, but holy crap! I mean, just Puna Ford and Clowney together, and. What people don't get also is Clowney was a 4-3 defensive end playing in the 3-4 as a linebacker. He was he that was not his best position. And I know Nathan and I disagreed on this and argued a little bit on the pod earlier this week. I absolutely believe that they're going to try Clowney on inside 
at defensive tackle during pass rush and nickel situations. Like the, the Texans played him at middle linebacker sometimes and blitzed him so they could get him against guards. The guy is like, he is a physical freak. So you get his speed inside in pass rush situations, man, this is, this is big. And, I don't know about you guys. I do not see this at all as a Sheldon Richardson deal. I'm not worried about this turning into something where we're going to be like, oh man, he didn't work out. It was a dumb move. We gave up way too much. What was the trade comp for Sheldon Richardson? You guys remember? The second and second third. Pick. It was like second and third. It was multiple picks, right? I'm going to look that up. No, it was second and curse. Was it second and curse? I think so. That was the year where Blair Walsh cost him a lot of draft position. Yeah, Jermaine Curse and a second-round pick. So, I mean, and that was for a guy uh, in Sheldon Richardson who never had a perfect fit with the Seahawks defense. And here's the kicker that I just think about. They could tag Clowney next year, and if they're not going to re-sign him, why can't they trade him for what Clark got traded for? Like, they might not just get this third-round comp. If yeah, play- that's a great point, Jeff. I mean, that would be a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> and Cloudy's kind of proven that he won't sign that tender. So, you know, I, but you could get something. You trade him to where he wants and he gets the contract he wants. I think he'd be just as happy. They have so much leverage now. Yeah, in the years leading up to the Jet- to the Seahawks acquiring Sheldon Richardson, he had one and a half sacks, five sacks. You know, in the years leading up to Jay and Connie becoming a Seahawk, he had nine and a half sacks. I mean, he is, he is not an elite edge rusher. He's not an elite edge rusher. He was not an elite edge rusher for the Texans. I don't know for sure if we can say that he's not going to be an elite edge rusher in this defense, right? Like, do either of you feel like there's what, give me a percentage chance that you think Jadavian Clowney is going to be a better player in Seattle than he was in Houston. 100% chance. I'm at like 75% chance that he's going to be better. No, J.J. Watt. What did you say, Jeff? I said he had J.J. Watt there, but yeah, I think Pete Pete with him, Pete must be going crazy right now. He's quintessential Pete material, right? I mean, freak athletes, some questions about motivation, you know, uh, now name a player on the Seahawks that, that, that doesn't play their hearts out. I mean, it doesn't play that has a reputation for taking plays off. I mean, that doesn't happen with Pete. Well, and the cool thing is like Dwayne Brown knows this guy. I'm sure he vouched for him. Um, someone's, I think Brock said a few years ago, they're super tight. Dwayne Brown's probably love how his career has just remarkably changed from coming to this program. Uh, Clowney in this defense is crazy. Their, their defense was like a massive red flag a few months ago. Now has a potentially dominant front seven. Their secondary, we'll save that for another day. That's still the big hole in this team. But to get this guy and not have to give up one starting offensive lineman, because that was what was scaring me about this whole trade. I hated the idea of trading Justin Britt. I thought they were going to have to trade him or a Fetty, which I would have been willing to accept because they have Jamarco Jones and they have Fant, but – do that and not give up an offensive lineman or a starter in general and not give up a second round pick, which we all seemed okay with probably two days ago. I can't get over this trade. It's insane. Who? So 
let's fast forward to week six for a second. If it is Clowney, Ford, Reed, Ansa, Kendricks, Wagner, and Wright, who are the other teams in the NFL that have that are in the conversation for best front seven? Like Eagles, maybe? Do you guys know? I mean, I'm trying to think of like, I'm not, I don't want to be a complete homer, but I mean, who else? The Bears are pretty good. The Bears. Roquan Smith. They don't have seven guys like that. The Bears are the only ones that can probably on paper compete. Yeah. So Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols. I don't know him. Khalil Mack. Yeah, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, Leonard Floyd. Yeah. And they still have BBK, Calitro, and Barton backing those guys up. Like, this team – and Collier's going to come back. Yeah, you got Collier. Um, I mean, you've got Marsh, who I know people are like, whatever. I mean, he is is a guy that has had, you know, seven sacks in the league before. what did you have? What did you have last year? Cassius Marsh. Um, Marsh was five and a half sacks last year. So, <laughs> you know what? I mean, screw all of the analysis for a second. Jadavian Clowney is one of the most like amazing athletes to ever enter the NFL, and he's a Seahawk. I just want to see him suit up. I mean. Even if he's a one-year rental, it is very tempting to put to go out and get a Jamie Clowney jersey, right? I mean, how good is that going to look? You guys are both looking at your you're looking at me. Evan is basically catching flies with his mouth over there. It's just like jaws dropped to the ground. I, I, in a way, I don't feel. I don't think this is real life. Like I think I'm going to wake up in about thirty minutes on a on a nice peaceful Saturday morning to watch some fun college football, but. This doesn't feel real. No, it, this does not feel real. Well, and it's funny, right? Like there was, we've all been in different places on this move at different times. I mean, during the off season, Evan, you were, you were like pounding the table for finding a way to get clowny. Right. And we were like, yeah, that would be a good move. They franchised him. You know, it didn't look like it was going to happen. Then, you know, I think all of us were in the camp of, no, that's a dumb move. They're not that close to a Super Bowl. You don't go all in for a trade like this. I mean, that was even a few weeks ago we were saying that on the pod. And then the concern was the price. Exactly. Like, the price was, oh, it's going to be a first or a second round pick and maybe even um, IFED or something like that. Like the Texans offered a first and clowny for Tunsil. Like they're insane. They're insane. John Schneider did dirty, dirty things to them. This is not, this is like not legal. Like somebody needs to contact the Seattle police department. This is not appropriate. This is not appropriate. (laughs) It's not okay. This is not okay. I actually feel guilt. I feel guilt inside of me for the first time. We, 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 we bone somebody so hard that I feel guilt right now. I literally feel guilt right now after this trade. Well, thank God, John Schneider. John Schneider, be careful if he ever goes to Houston. It's an open carry state, isn't it? Right. So, you know, Texas is. So, 
I don't know yeah, if uh, safe walking the streets of Houston. I love the Texans. They gave us a left tackle for when we had nothing. Riso Diombo there. And now we just turned Cassius Marsh starting into Jadavian Clowney. We got to call the Texans more. Let's get Watt. Let's get Hopkins. <laughs> uh, holy crap. Um, you going to be able to play? Yeah. So, so that's what, that's, let's talk about that. So, I mean, he's a, he's just a freak athlete. I, I, and I, I think that there aren't a lot of nuances in his, his game. I would say that, it is very likely that he will suit up for the first game. I would say 90 to 95% chance that he will play in the first game. I do not know if he will start. And I definitely do not expect him to play a full slate of snaps. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he is at 30 snaps in the first game, you know, and they're all just pass rush rotational pieces. He and Ansa could split time at Leo um, to start. Um, but you know, it's weird. I went to pro football focus, had him at a right, at a right end and all the tape I've watched of him, he's rushing from the left. So my expectation is he'll be on the left and, and Ansel will be on the right when they're in pass rush situations. But uh, yeah, I, I, I certainly expect him to play in the first week. What do you guys think? Yeah, I totally agree. Sounds like I think Rappaport said it that like he had a phenomenal work. Probably came from whoever's representation is right now, but it sounded like he had a phenomenal workout. He's in shape. A uh, Khalil Mack was again. I keep bringing him up. He got traded. I think around the same time. I think it was the Friday or Saturday before the season, and he came out after not working out all, or not practicing all summer with Oakland and destroyed Aaron Rodgers in the first game. I don't know if he'll do that, but. You can easily come up with a 25 to 30 snap plan. Cincinnati's got a bad offensive line. Their first round pick uh, tore his ACL or something, Jonah Williams. So their other guy is hurt. So this is what a game, the transition. I don't know how you manage him and Ansa there. They have to kind of both be eased in, but yeah, Quinn Jefferson can play the rundowns. Marsh can play a little on pass downs. Rasheem Green can play a bit. You can really, you can really come up with a good plan for him. This is the perfect week for it. Uh, <laughs> I love the chat. The chat is just going crazy. Everyone is so freaking hyped for this. Bill, Bill Simmons just tweeted something really funny. He was like, "If this ridiculously one-sided trade happened in my fantasy league, <laughs> we would have had a one thousand email thread of finger pointing, protests, and insults." <laughs> oh man. I mean, imagine being a Texans fan right now. They are like, at least we know that Jacob Martin is good. Like he's a good, he's a good. I mean, dad. even that's like. I know, but, but at least we, at least we know that there's some value there. If you're a Texans fan, you know, nothing. You think he's the word, like a total worthless chip. But Jacob Martin is a could be good type of player. He's not like a absolutely he's going to be good type of player. Totally. But but I'm just saying we at least place some value on him. Whatever value we have is 10 times whatever value a Texan fan has for Jacob Martin. So they're basically feeling like we gave up a generational physical talent for two total like scrubs with no talent and a third round pick next year. Didn't even get an offensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, 
if they had let think about it if they had not franchised if they had not franchised Jadavion Clowney what kind of deal would he have gotten this offseason similar to Clark probably better and they would have gotten a third round pick next year for that (laughs) (laughs) so basically they kept him and and what they got out of it was Jacob Martin and Barkevius Mingo that's what they got for franchising Jadavion Clowney that's where you see how good John Schneider is and what happens when a team makes their coach the GM. The guy got schooled, and he played it all wrong, and he let Jadavian control the leverage and not the team. Well, and, and you know what? Screw the Texans and their Jeremy Lane, you know, yeah. rejected the physical. Take it. Eat it. Like, this is, <laughs> this is more than adequate payback for that move. So, holy crap! What, what do you do? What do you do? Uh... Oh, hold up! I'm sorry. Can can we go back to one thing? So obviously, we were talking about Justin Britt and Ifedi both being involved in the trade talks. What does the trade look like if Jacob Mart? If those two defensive players aren't involved, you know what I mean? Because that seems like a massive shift in value swing. Like, would it have been Ifedi or Britt like straight up one to one or? Like, what does that trade look like? <laughs> I don't know. I do want to pause it a second and say thank you to, to Black Knight and to uh, Tex Age Texans for, uh, for uh, donating in the Super Chat. Um, as everyone knows, we donate all of our, our proceeds here at Hawk Blogger to charity, and we have costs of our own for running the show. So we really, really appreciate folks uh, chipping in as we start building out the show. And it's going to be a uh, amazing season so it is the time to get in if you haven't already sign up at patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash hawkblogger now is the time it is going to be lit this season so back to your question evan what what would it have been if we got uh well sorry there's a question that came with one of the super chat never heard of you split um oh never mind so what what would we have gotten or what would they have gotten if it was Brit or a Fetty or Brit and a Fetty? I mean, I don't think Brit and a Fetty was ever a deal. Either scenario, either scenario, what does that trade look like? Is it a one-to-one trade and no draft capital? Considering the compensation was so low? I would have to think it's something like that. Like I I would have had to have thought that it was a, a fifth or maybe a sixth round pick. And maybe that's what the Texans valued more is getting a higher pick um, as part of the deal. But yeah, I mean, it's a fair question. Jeff, you have a point of view? I think the pick would have had to be even lower because I, I just think I was tweeting it this morning. A Fetty, you could have made it work maybe instead of the two edge rushers because he's in the last year of his deal, similar to Clowney. They didn't give him the fifth-year option. They're, they're pretty clear in their position on him. They have depth there, fans, Jamarco Jones, both coming off injury. I'm not crazy about Britt as a player, but I think I was on a – there's no way they should trade him. I would have been very upset if they traded him. I don't even love Britt again. And he's a guy they should probably look at trading next, next offseason. But right now, Ethan Posick has to play left guard because I, Patty is hurt. Haynes is hurt. Simmons is hurt. So he has to play left guard maybe the first couple of weeks. Joey Hunt, who's usually the backup center, he has an ankle sprain. So you're left with Marcus Martin and Roos and 
if you have to take one of those or two of those guys and make them starters, that takes away from one of the team's true positions of strength. And I thought that would have been a big mistake. And to come out of there with none of them and keep that price is still crazy. But yeah, maybe you see a lower pick. I don't know. I don't know how much lower you could have got a fourth and Brett. Maybe that would have done it, but I'd much rather do this. Well, and, and I guess I would guess that Penny was part of this at some point. I think the LaShawn McCoy news out of Buffalo might've had an impact on that part of the deal. It's all conjecture. Cause man, we were all off. Everybody was off about what they're going to get in terms of trade comp, but they need a running back and we've got them. And as of now, it's looking like Rashad Penny and CJ Procise will be Seahawks today. Uh, and we'll find out later today for, for sure. But LaShawn McCoy getting cut, that was surprising. And, and uh, you'd have to think the Texans are going to want to get him. Poor LaShawn McCoy. Can you imagine going and running behind that Texans offensive line? I mean, that, <laughs> that is not going to be a good thing. Um, so John Schneider, your boy, Evan, has made a trade every year before cut down every year there's been justin coleman there's been you know sheldon richardson there's been all and he's got a perfect record man he did it again and he might not be done do any of you think that he's not done i definitely would he needs to go look at nickel corners and maybe a six wide receiver yeah i i think i think corners I think uh, <laughs> I think corners for hot seat my ass. This is the goat right here. He's not executive of the year this year. Well, this is the type of move that could get him that that even if the Seahawks aren't good, like they like people like flashy moves and especially moves that make other people look stupid. Yeah, so you went through all those moves, even if you didn't make this move. Now it's crazy. You got Russell Wilson done. You got Bobby Wagner done. You got that Clark trade. They've been that draft where they turn. You've gone through that draft tree so many times. And well, we need to get that campaign ready. Well, what, what do we say about this off season? Remember we were like, it was like, it was, I gave it an a minus. The only thing that was keeping it from being an a plus is I wanted them to sign another defensive lineman. I wanted them to get either Dominican Sue or Gerald McCoy. I thought a defensive tackle would have been great to add. But they got clowny. I <laughs> that is far superior to what I thought they'd be able to get. And now there is no way you can look at this offseason from where they were to where they are now and not give John Schneider an A plus. I mean, look at the draft class, guys. Look at the draft class. Can we go through that for a second? I mean, I'm gonna pull it up so we can go through it one by one. But just uh, even in terms of asset evaluation, you traded Clark, who's probably a similar players clowny for a one and a three and then acquired clowny for half the price like as a gm that's as good who clark would have been on a one-year deal anyway in terms of asset valuation and replacing a and got onsa in that too yeah i don't know if there's been better work than that in a long time you basically traded frank clark for the cap room to sign ziggy onsa yeah lj collier a first round pick and you still have the second round pick next year that you got for Clark. And now you've traded for freaking Genevieve Clowney. So for half the price of Clark. That 
why did we why did we trade Clark and then we get Clowney? That makes no sense. We like are so much better than we were when we had Frank Clark. Don't even forget, we have a first round pick in LJ Collier, who we haven't seen shit from, could end up being a day one contributor. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane. I mean, you add you had the trade, you got LJ Collier. Marquise Blair, who looks like he's going to be a good one. DK Metcalf, who looks like he's going to be potentially a great one. Cody Barton, looks good. Phil Haynes, who I, you know, we haven't seen, but all reports are that guy looks like a starter waiting to happen. Amadi could very well end up being a starter. Uh, ben Burkirvin, who looks like he's probably going to make the squad. Travis Homer, who looks like a practice squad guy. And John Ursua, like, that's an, that alone is an amazing offseason. So I mean, this is this is insane, Evan. I know you got to run in a little bit, Jeff. Jeff, what's your? Uh... I'm good for a bit. This is. All right, guys. I got to run. I appreciate it, but I I I cannot believe this is. I cannot believe this is real life. The Seahawks traded for Jadavian Clowney, and he's only going to cost us eleven to twelve million dollars this year because we traded Mingo, who was also going to be cut, and Jacob Martin. Not even sure he's that good. Go Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Evan and hey thanks Lisa LaFranco for uh, donating in the super chat Pre- super appreciate it um, and we're still on for tonight right we're still on five o'clock tonight we're going to be back on to talk about cuts and final roster so we should know by then and there might be more trades folks uh, so please tune back in at, at five there'll be plenty going on then um, we'll open it up for questions on the chat uh, especially on the, the YouTube chat so if people have questions start asking them um Jeff where do you think this puts the Seahawks in terms of what their ceiling is you know what is this team now that they have Clowney oh they went from being a probably a wild card team to a potential team that can get a buy I think if the team there's one area of this team that's still probably probably two areas that they're not great at right now the secondary is still a big problem free safety we're not sure how good the corners are that could be a thing that hinders them all year but they kept the offensive line intact the running game is good and they kept penny we're not we're both not crazy about penny i would have been happy to toss him aside but they have the running back depth they have one of the best front sevens in the nfl probably on paper the second best or first best so the biggest thing they have it's just disrupting these quarterbacks they're going to play against this year. Jared Goff, um, Jimmy Garoppolo. Some they got a tough, some tough matchups early. They got Breeze, Ben Roethlisberger, Kyler. But I think they go from potentially from a ten to a twelve-win team. I think that's if he hits and he's that kind of player. I think the Bears. I keep bringing up Khalil Mack, but I think when you get a guy like this, it takes you from a good to a potentially great team. They got an elite player for nothing. Yeah, there's there's. So the naysayers, and there will be, there will definitely will come out. They will come out, right? You'll get some folks from analytics Twitter saying pass rush is not that valuable. There's new analytics have come out saying that coverage is the thing that's valuable. Pass rush is not. It's not as predictable or consistency. You'll hear things like that. You'll hear that Jadavion Clowney is not an elite pass rusher, that he's only okay or better than average, and that really he's an elite run defender. And run defense is not that valuable. So how valuable is he? Those are going to be the things you're going to hear from naysayers. Look, I think that things that they're missing is one. I think Clowney, Clowney, the player that was in Houston is not going to be the same player that we have in Seattle. I think both from a scheme fit 
from a motivation fit from the players playing next to him in this case. I mean, he's, he, he was not next to JJ Watt. They were on opposite sides of the field. As, as far as I remember, I might be wrong. Um, do you know? You're right. So, I, I mean, I think that, and then coaching, I mean, I think Pete Carroll is, I give him a ton of credit. So I think you're going to get a better Jadavian Clowney and he might turn out to be an elite pass rusher as well. I think that this guy, he was the, I think the seventh ranked edge defender overall by PFF last year. You know, he was like a near elite 89.5, 90 is elite blue chipper. You know, this guy could legitimately be an all pro. He could be an all pro for this, like one of the four best defensive ends in the NFL this year. That is, that's not just crazy. I'm excited on a Saturday because I made this trade. That is absolutely a legitimate possibility. And, and so if you were to say, and, and Ansa is really the big question mark. If he stays healthy, Ansa was the number one pass rusher by pass rush productivity in the NFL last year, according to Pro Football Focus. That's amount of pressures created per snap that there is rushing the passer. So if you want to, if you have him healthy and you have Clowney healthy, you have to wait for getting Jaron Reed back, and that sucks. But I think Al Woods, people are sleeping on him. I think he's a good player. I think he's a perfectly – he was a really good player, near pro bowler for the Colts just two years ago. So you put him in the middle. Puna Ford, I think we all believe that he has all-pro potential breakout at some point. Whether he's going to have the stats to be an all-pro is different. But it is not totally out of the realm of possibilities that you have four pro bowl-level defensive linemen when Reed comes back. Like – that by itself is super exciting. And then you've got what is one of the top two to three linebacking cores in the NFL. Michael Kendricks, who looks like his career, like he's playing for his, his football life right now, and he knows it. He's playing like it. you got Bobby Wagner. you got KG Wright. And you've got some guys behind him that can even fill in if KJ gets hurt. I mean, this defense goes from being what I think is a – likely to be in the mid middle of the pack. They were 15th last year. I think they're about similar this year. I think they could be easily be a top 10 defense this year. Easily. And I think you hit on a really good point there. And I remember when I woke up this morning and saw your string of tweets, I think, <laughs> I think I thought you made a really good point about Ansa and Ansa was a guy who we were really excited about when they signed him. I think we did an emergency pod. That was a huge part of the Clark trade. This really negates his risk. And there was big risk with him based on durability. Yeah, that shoulder. We were some people were talking he was going to miss six to eight games. Pete kept saying he was going to be back week one. And he's back week one. And now the risk of him from just having Clowney number one, um, you can ease him in a little bit. You're not completely reliant on Ansa. If Ansa hits as well as Clowney, just think about the impact Michael Bennett had. And Michael Bennett was such a good player. Averill and Bennett, those guys completely changed what made a good defense great. These two guys athletically are at completely different levels than both Bennett and Averill. They're not, we're not saying they'll be as productive, but these two guys, if Michael Bennett could be that kind of player in this defense, if you have Clowney and Ansa and they both hit, and you're really you're not totally reliant on Ansa now, it's just a bonus, plus Collier, plus Rasheem Green, plus all these guys – yeah, this makes a, what looked like a bottom 10 defense probably a couple of weeks ago when Ansa looked uncertain and Collier got hurt and their secondary wasn't getting better. This could be close to a top 10 unit. And 
that really was the one thing that held this team back. Obviously, they, we will can talk about their other issues later. But this just changed the complete complexion of the team. And I said earlier, they are now potentially a team that could be a, t- a top seed in the conference. They have Russell Wilson and a potentially dominant defense with a good O-line. So I wrote um, – and someone asked well, – I looked this up. Someone asked a question in the chat. Let me look, find out who it was. Uh, give me props for it. Um, this is coming from Mark Baker, um, and he asks uh, – how do we, what do we feel about the, the secondary? Um, and does this change anything? Do you hear me, Jeff? Yeah, I'm sorry. Something come through? Yeah, I just saw that Houston and Miami were like close, like they were going to give like a first round pick and Clowney to get Tunsil. And the fact that they had to turn back and get this, it's still my head had to like process that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> they were really, they were highly leveraged here. And yeah. uh, that's what happens when you mishandle your, your roster. I mean, uh, I think the Seahawks deserve similar criticism for how they handled Earl. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not just the Texans. We, we, they, the Seahawks blew it with Earl. Oh, there was a stretch of a couple of years where they just made mistake after mistake. The Sheldon Richardson, Malik McDowell situation, and they got desperate. It was the same thing. I think the Sheldon Richardson, which you're going to see people compare. I saw it this morning. I think the Sheldon Richardson scenario is exactly what the Texans did. They had a unique thing blow up in their face, which they kind of led to, like we led to by picking Malik McDowell. And they got desperate. And at the last second, they made a move that they felt it was their only opportunity. And if you see people compare Sheldon Richardson to Clowney, just ignore it. It's so different. It's, this was an opportunity that John Schneider pounced on. This was not them acting out of desperation because they needed pass rushers. They could have easily got by with what they had, probably. Been okay. They would have been fine. They're up front, their linebackers are that good, and their offense could be that good. But this is just a unique opportunity. And Clowney wanted to come to Seattle. That came out like last week, I think. So if, if you just keep looking at what they are in the field now, they're just remarkably, they went from having a situational pass rusher, essentially, and a guy they were going to cut to an all pro level player. Those deals just don't happen very often. Yeah. I am. Um, let's see if this works. Uh, see how, how much uh, it shows here, but are you able to see this Jeff? Yep. So, yep. So this was the Seahawks defense last year. And I think a lot of people don't realize it, but in neutral script situations, their run defense. So this is neutral script for folks that don't know it's first, second, third quarter. It's first, second down um, when you really, and the score is within, you know, eight points. So you know that there's the, the, the team's not going desperately to try to run or run the clock or, go for big plays. So this is, you get your best view of how the, the team plays in those situations. This is kind of your core. And the Seahawks run defense was really, really bad last year. They gave up over five yards of carry. They ranked 26th in the NFL in neutral script run defense last year. Then if you look at their explosive rushes that they surrendered per pass attempt or per rush attempt, um, they were, you know, one of the best in the NFL a few years ago. One out of every 10 
more than one out of every 10 run against the Seahawks last year went for more than 12 yards. Like that is insane. The percentage of explosive rushes that they gave up was insane. And so the reason I'm sharing that is you just added what is generally believed to be, if not the best, the second best edge run defender in the NFL. You've added Puna Ford, who very likely could be one of the top handful of interior run defenders in the NFL. You've added Michael Kendricks and you've got KJ Wright back and you've got Al Woods, who is an excellent run defender. This could end up being one of the best run defensive units in the NFL. Now, analytics Twitter is going to hate that and they're going to laugh and poke fun and that's fine. But I'll tell you what, it's always true. It is better to be great at something than it is to be terrible at it. I don't care how like relatively important it is. I would rather the Seahawks give up no yards on a play than give up 12 yards on a play. And that does not take a rocket science to figure that out. Yeah. And then their, their pass rushing unit looks good. So that sets them up even a step further. Because now you're putting their team in, in Clowney in CenturyLink. Like we haven't really talked about that yet. Like we've seen what pass rushers do on that field where you can get that speed first, that speed. If you remember that game, that Seattle Houston game a couple of years ago before Dwayne Brown got traded, Clowney just ate them for lunch. Like Reese Odiombo started a left tackle. Obviously he's going to be playing better left tackles than that. But if you want to watch a fun Clowney game, put on film of that because he just disrupted so much of what they wanted to do. He was in the backfield within seconds. Him on that field is a very scary with the crowd behind him. That's another thing. Just people aren't thinking about it. He's a perfect fit for what they do defensively schematically. <laughs> That's very true. That's yeah, very true. Yeah. We've seen Cliff Averill talked about it so much. Him coming to CenturyLink completely changed his career. Well, so there is one thing that people should know about Clowney that they might not know. I believe, and I'll have to look it up. I'll double check in a second. I believe he was second in the NFL in penalties last year. <laughs> so you all remember Michael Bennett, right? And you remember how awesome, like we have all fond memories of having him on the team. He's a fantastic uh, pass rusher, super disruptive force on the inside and on the outside. What did he also do? The dude jumped up sides all the time and he did it at the most frustrating times. So I believe Clowney is, is uh, another one of those type of players. Um, I'm going to check here in a second to be sure, because I have this uh, second hand. But folks should be ready. He, he may be a guy that jumps off sides a time or two. Yeah, Michael Bennett. I, I talked about him before. He was a dominant run player. He was a guy who gone to the backfield quickly. They're not the same style player, but just think about the impact he made. Yeah, it came with his downside. There was a lot of things that – the offside thing was a great call. That's – Something that always drove me a little nuts about him, but all the upside, all the good things you got. If you think about that kind of impact, I think that's the kind of player we're getting here. And more, younger version of that, athletically completely different. And guy who's hungry, he wants to get paid. And there's nowhere better to get paid than having a dominant season on a new team. All right, I'm looking it up on NFL penalties. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to know the exact. Uh, so among well, they have him as an outside linebacker because he's in a three-four, but. He had more penalties than any other outside linebacker. So uh, he had 13 penalties last year uh, in 17 games. So I guess they're counting the playoff game. 
um, Von Miller had seven was the next. So he had six more penalties, almost twice the amount of penalties as the next guy uh, averaged almost a penalty a game. And let's see, uh, I want to see how many were for offsides. Um, penalty counts. Yes, he had five offsides, three neutral zone infractions. So those are the same. Eight of his penalties were jumping. Two rough in the passer, one encroachment, so make it nine. Um, one defensive holding and one taunting. I can handle a little taunting. That's okay. But really, you've got eight, nine, nine basically jumping the snap penalties uh, just last year. I'm going to look back and see if I can see uh, 2000, uh, see older years. Yeah. But... <laughs> Let's hold on a second. So I'll look at 2017. 2017, he had five. <laughs> he had 10 neutral zone fractions. Uh, we yeah, used to this. 2016, he had four. So thing I said about him being excited to play in Seattle. That might backfire. Well, I don't know if backfires the right <laughs> word, right? But like. It's interesting that his his sack numbers went up once his offside penalties went up because he was 2016 he was he was four um, four neutral zone penalties but that was also the year that he had if I look back I'm pretty sure it was two years ago that his sack numbers started to jump up so uh, let me pull that up. Yeah, so he went from six sacks in 2016 to nine and a half and then nine. So I'm okay with a guy looking to jump the snap count if he's going to be productive as a pass rusher. Like that just comes with the, maybe that just comes with the territory. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. Whew. Yeah, still. This, and it seems to be the consensus. We're not just being homers or something. Yeah, there's going to be guys who are going to rip the deal. I know Zach Whitman and Ben were guys who were very skeptical about acquiring Clowney. And, but if you look around Twitter right now, it, it seems pretty unanimous. Like they're saying either Houston got killed or Seattle pulled off a heist. And if you don't have that opinion, I'm open to discussing why. But I think sometimes what's up, you got to call a spade a spade. And Seattle pulled off a deal that just if you would if you would have talked to us three hours ago, there's someone would have presented this as you saw with that Madden example, we would have probably laughed at that. I was yeah. thinking, it's weird. I mean, do you think that? Do you think it's more likely? Well, let me start with this. It's the part that's weird is it just seems odd that the Texans would want defensive players. And it seems odd that they want defensive players that are not clearly going to step in and be huge contributors right away. So yeah. do you assume that they were going after the offensive linemen and end of the day, do you, do you think that, that the Seahawks wouldn't give them up? Do you think that the Seahawks wouldn't give up the high enough draft capital with those linemen? What's, what's your gut on how that played out? That's probably my gut because it seemed like Seattle and them had been talking. We'd heard like rumors of it from John Clayton and Brock Heward. And I'm guessing that's where like the earlier parts of the negotiation were. 
And then things kind of just went on hold and it seemed like Clowney was going to sit out. Maybe they'd revisit in mid season, but I'm guessing once just it came time for desperation, maybe Seattle countered again, or maybe Houston just got desperate and more willing to just take anything. I'm sure their scouts were probably high on Jacob Martin. I'm sure they saw the same things we saw where he is an ascending player, very good contract control. And maybe they just were willing to bite the bullet and take that, I don't know why they took Mingo. I, they could have probably waited a day, picked him up for half the price to take Mingo at 4.20. And we don't have, it just helps Seattle with the roster construction. Now they don't have to cut Mingo. I just can't imagine the energy through the building right now. Like that building, you've been there. The VMAC is usually crazy energy right now. Yep. They're probably going nuts. Clowney's in the building right now, taking the physical. And I just can't imagine how jacked up this team is right now. Like Russell already tweeted about it. I've seen a couple other players like, yeah, I don't know. As you said before, I don't know what Houston, what caused the shift from Houston. It seems like it was desperation or maybe Jacob Martin was a late throw into the deal. Once the offensive line thing, I'm guessing Seattle was resistant to trade linemen. Maybe not a Fetty. I'm guessing the Texans really wanted Britt. All the Texans writers this morning kept talking about how they have an issue at center. Nick Martin, a guy they drafted a few years back for Notre Dame, Zach Martin's younger brother. He's been bad for them, and Britt made a lot of sense. But normally I'd be okay with trading Britt. Britt's a good player, not a great player. It's paid like a great player. Oh, my God, here we go. Nathan. We need some uh, We need some reason here. He's trying to get hooked up. He's, he'll give him a second. But, yeah, I think if – I mean, the the Brit thing would have been surprising for sure. That would have been a bit of a gut punch because I, I'm not crazy about Brit as a player. Uh, we've talked about training him so many times. And uh, you mentioned Posick as a center is probably similar, if not better than him. But they just – they're so beaten up right now between uh, Simmons, uh, who, Haynes. Haynes hasn't even practiced yet. He's going to go on PUP. And then Ayupati's history and Fluker's history. The takeaway from that would have been hard. But the fact that they were able to resist and give up, I don't even know. I don't know how they pulled off that deal. But, Nathan, we, we need to hear some uh, – some reason here. We're all through the moon right now. Evan was wearing a Schneider t-shirt. <laughs> Evan uh, actually was here and he spontaneously combust. So there is no more Evan, just so you know. Say say, well, say farewell. Worth it. I mean, uh, it's a good <laughs> one to go out on. Uh, no, I mean, it seems like a great trade. Uh, so is it official that it's a third round pick? Uh, Mingo and Martin? That is official. We're waiting on the finalization of the, uh, uh, the physicals, but otherwise it's done deal. And so this has to be their, like, their original third round, right? Because they don't actually technically have the third round that they'll get for Earl, that we expect them to get for Earl, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. They don't have technically. Yeah, that has to be. The so comp doesn't get awarded until, I think, the offseason. Yeah, and that's right. So, uh, I mean, uh, that's meaningful because, you know, those comp picks tend to be later, but if they go on to win the Super Bowl and Clowney helps them do that, then that gap's small. I mean, um, not a big thing there, but it is something. Um, no, I mean, uh, you know, we talked about this. Um, did we do a podcast yesterday or the day before? The other boring for me. Um, but <laughs> uh, I, I was happy. I would have been comfortable with a second round pick. Um, and so this seems like less than that. Um, like, I, I I can't believe that Mingo had any value in this deal. I, <laughs> we all thought he was going to get cut. Um, Mark's a bummer, you know, but like, 
Uh, yeah, I would spend a third round pick to go from Jacob Martin to Jadavian Clowney. That sounds uh, plenty fair. For me, it's just a question of, is this really the guy that you want to give a huge long-term contract to? And we'll see whether that's whether they decide to do that or not. Um, I really hope that they did this trade feeling very certain that's where they're going to go with this. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the trade itself is pretty fantastic. I, I don't think I could have hoped for much better. <laughs> Aiden O'Keefe on the chat just <laughs> made a made a funny comment. I think um, now that Clowney's going to sign his tender and report, the Seahawks could flip him to Miami for Laramie Tunsil. <laughs> That'd be such a dick move to, to like have Clowney say he wants to go to the Seahawks for Seattle to get him and then Seattle to flip him for, to some other team <laughs> he has no control over. Because <laughs> like who knows what like Miami would have been was offering like who knows huh. that that would uh you'd probably burn a lot of bridges doing that but boy oh yeah well and it's really I think one of the fascinating parts of this I, I really don't think that's gonna happen I John Schneider is almost too much a man of his word I mean there's been times we've heard as recently as last year that the that the Patriots offered more for Michael Bennett than the Eagles did and Schneider uh, had already agreed to the deal. And so he didn't renege on it. You know, he's, he tries to be an honorable guy, I think. Um, so no, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think that, you know, it's really interesting to see how Clowney forced this move, right? Was franchised, did not sign the tender, if he had not been willing to miss game checks, if that part hadn't come out, then he'd probably be a dolphin because, because absolutely that is where the Texans wanted him to go. That's the, the, they had the players that the Texans wanted. And because Clowney was willing to miss game checks, just like Dwayne Brown was willing to miss game checks. Ultimately Clowney got to determine where he played. It's almost like free agency. Yeah, I think NFL players are starting to take notice of what's happening in the NBA and they're seeing the power. It'll never get to that level, obviously, just because of the guaranteed contracts. But I think I think you have to be willing to give something up. And you saw with Le'Veon to an extent last year. I think he went a little too far. But, yeah, I think that's a good point. He really did that. If he signs that tender, there's no way this happens. He's in Miami right now. And there's no way Houston gets as desperate as they did because – they seemed happy to get that left tackle for Deshaun Watson. So without that, without him refusing to go to Miami, which Brian, you brought up a point was pretty rare for an NFL player. Players love Miami. Yeah. I mean that it is, it says a ton about him, man. It does. I, he would have been paid a boatload by the dolphins. There's no doubt about it. They were ready to sign him. I, mean, I don't think it made any sense for the dolphins to be making any deal for Clowney, but they would have paid him a bunch. Every pro sports player seems to love the Miami lifestyle. Um, I'm not positive. I'm pretty sure they don't have like, uh, they have a, a favorable tax situation down there as well in terms of state income tax and that kind of stuff. But he wants, he wanted to play for contenders. And he was like, he even went to Miami and still it was like, they whined and dined him. And he was like, you guys suck. I don't want to play for you. I want to play for a team that can win. And, it also says something that he thinks Seattle's a team that can win. Like for all the hand wringing that happens around the, the Seahawks and around the fans and how good is this team? 
Clowney wanted to play here. For all the hand-wringing that goes on around Pete Carroll and whether he's good or not, he wanted to play here. He wanted to play here because I can almost guarantee you that Dwayne Brown and other guys were in his ear saying this is a good place to play. So I think I think there's a lot of subtext to this deal beyond just the highlight of just getting him. That's super interesting. I have no idea what to make of some of that. Like, uh, who knows what's going on? That that could certainly be true, but uh, I don't know. I think that's reading a lot into it. That's, that's Wait, a lot of subtext. <laughs> well, I mean, unless unless the, the reports are not true that he went to Miami and, and chose not to go there, um, you know, at least that seems pretty solid, right? Yeah, that, that's all true. Like, he definitely did choose Seattle over Miami, it seems like. And I, it seems pretty logical that the reason he'd choose them is not because, you know, he likes – the state of Washington or Seattle as a city, but probably because of football. I mean, that was what reported. And I think it does make sense, but in any event, I, I think that, I think it does say a lot. Um, Nathan, what, what is your expectation? You, you, this earlier this week said you kind of expected, you had some expectations of how they use Clowney. Um, one, how do you think they're going to use Clowney? Two, we talked about it earlier. Do you think he plays this week? Um, that's a good, that's an interesting question. I bet he does. Um, it's not, I mean, at least situationally, I would think so, but they'll find a way to get him on the field a little bit just to do something. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's actually an interesting question. I hadn't really thought about that because he hasn't been practicing or anything. Right. So, um, I mean, I, I think that they can probably do just about whatever they want with him. Like he's, uh, I would think that, that the best role for him is maybe more of the the Clemens or kind of Averill role. Um, but I, I think that um, just watching him and like looking at the PFF grades and kind of learning more about him and paying a little bit more attention since the, the trade talk has started, I think it maybe just kind of fundam- fundamentally misunderstood who Clowney is. And so he may really be more of that Bennett type. Um, we talked about his ability to move inside. I don't know that he'll have that. Um, uh, Matty Brown was talking about on Twitter um, uh, using him as an interior rusher, but kind of standing him up and, and lining him up over gaps and using him that way. That That's interesting. Um, so you may see him get some interior rush that way. Um, but I think uh, I think looking at him as kind of a, a Bennett replacement um, is, is kind of – that's what I would – Yes, at this point, it, it's going to be really interesting because uh, he's he's such a unique player. Um, I think uh, I, I don't know. He had such a disappointing senior year in, in college um, uh, that I don't know. I mean, he still went what first overall, so he's got the pedigree and all that. He's he's just a fascinating player. I mean, he's athletic. He's you know he's apparently a great run stopper. He uh, maybe isn't an elite pass rusher, but he's still a very good one. Um, I don't think that there's really a limit to what. Pete will try to do with him. Yeah. Have you guys, Jeff, have you seen his high school highlights as a running back? Although they're crazy. You no, should have a look. Holy no. crap. I mean, that is for anyone that's listening, if you haven't already, uh, look up on YouTube, uh, Javen Clowney running back uh, high school highlights. And I mean, the guy is a freak. He, he is, 
he is unlike, I think there's almost no other defensive linemen in the NFL that are like him. I mean, there's a reason. This is the number one overall pick that the Seahawks acquired for Jacob Martin and Barkevius Mingo. So, like, that is nuts. So, I think, I think, I think you're absolutely right, Nathan. And one of the things I heard earlier this week, um, Hugh Millen, who I know people, some, some people don't love, but I think he does really good work. And he watched Clowney tape. And one of the things he noted is they stood him up as an inside linebacker on a number of plays. And every time they did that, it was to blitz and to match him up on guards uh, to be able to, to play against them. So, yeah, I think you're spot on. That's part of what I've been thinking is that he is a Bennett replacement and, and maybe the closest thing you'll get. And he might be better. Like, there's a chance. It's not for sure. I mean, it, no doubt about it. Bennett is amazing. But there's at least a chance. I mean, he's a better athlete than Michael Bennett. There's no doubt about that. And we don't know what he's going to look like in this defense. So uh, there is, there is, there's a chance that he could be his, his equal. There's a chance he could even be better. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, he's got limits from this guy. Like, yeah, first overall pick. He's fantastically athletic. Like, yeah, I'm not going to bet that he's going to be better than Michael Bennett. Is that out of the question? Like, no, it's not out of the question, right? Um, do we want to talk about, like, just for a minute, the risk involved here at yeah. all? Yeah, do it. you got you to put your Nathan hat on. Come on. I do, because I've got a million people in my mentions that are, one, mad at me, because a third-round pick is not nothing, right? It is... Uh, a good deal when you're trading for Jadavian Clowney, but it is still a valuable thing. And so Lou, if, if he goes on to just walk after this year, that would not be good. It's not like they gave up nothing. They gave up an interesting player in Martin and they gave up a third round pick, right? Two things that seem to pale in comparison to the value of Jadavian Clowney, but are valuable things. Um, the other thing is, uh, I don't know how many times we have to hammer this, uh, Third round picks are not guaranteed. Um, yes, Seattle has a lot of control over actions. Third round picks, yes, yeah. are not guaranteed. Yes, Seattle has a lot of control over whether they actually get their comp picks or not, or whether they, you know, throw them away on Ed Dixon and Jerome Brown. Um, but for starters, he could have an injury. <clears throat> he could have an injury, and he could not be. He could not get a contract worth a third round pick. Um, second of all, if this is, if we're talking about a scenario where Clowney walks after one year, it's probably because he disappointed or had some kind of a problem where Seattle decided to not pay him. Um, which means that maybe he's not as likely to get that big of a contract, right? In that scenario, you're already talking about Seattle deciding to get against giving him a huge contract. So maybe other teams would as well. And maybe you're talking more like the fourth round conflict that Sheldon got. So I, this is a no-brainer trade. Like, it's absolutely – I think I, – I, if I'm John Schneider, like, I cannot – like, I don't think I've ever done anything in my life as good as what John Schneider did in this offseason between swinging Clark into Clowney and all – Clark and Martin into all this stuff, right? So, like, it's fantastic trade. It's a no-brainer. But the idea that, like, well, if this goes wrong, no big deal, like, that I don't think is true. Like, there is downside to this trade, right? I don't think it's a big downside, and I don't think it's a likely downside. But, yeah, we could very well be talking about the Jadavian Clowney trade the same way we talk about the Sheldon Richardson trade, right? It could be – it could go that badly. You think it could go that badly? 
it could go really badly. Like, what if Martin ends up being very good, right? Like, I think he's probably a quality starter, but what if he surprises and ends up being a very good player? And then Clowney, for whatever reason, doesn't work out. And then you go on to botch your trade pick thing or your comp pick thing. Like, yeah, potentially this could be very bad. I don't think that's going to happen, right? But, like, you can end up in – you. this has Sheldon Richardson trade potential. Like, that is out there. Um, just because they gave a second for Sheldon and a third for Clowney doesn't mean that, like, there's not still that kind of level of downside, which again, I don't think is going to happen. I imagine they're going to sign Clowney and I imagine Clowney is going to be good for them. And this is fun. This is awesome. Like it's all good, right? Like again, John Schneider should be, Schneider should be incredibly, incredible. I can't talk to him. Incredibly <laughs> proud of himself. Um, but like, let's not pretend like, ah, oh, who cares? It's third round pick. Like, no, those are, those mean something. That I definitely agree with. Uh, Jeff, I, I don't see this as, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. I don't see the Sheldon Richardson downside. I mean, like, I, 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 as we said, Sheldon Richardson was going from a Jets defense where, you know, they were still trying to figure out exactly how to use him, but had some sense to a Seahawks defense where they didn't really know how to use him. I mean, he spent half that season there trying to figure out where in the defense he was going to play. And, I don't think there's any doubt about how Clowney is going to fit in. The, the worst case scenario is that he's rotational with Ezekiel Alonso at Leo, but I think that he's going to be a five tech. So I, I just don't see like that level. Like I look at the Sheldon Richardson deal. I'm like, you didn't even know what to do with him. You traded a second, not a third. I, I, I don't see it. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Well, yeah. I, if you have to look at the downside, I'd say we haven't touched much on like, Clowney's durability, his durability and injury history. That's there. He has gone injured in the past. And if he spends the year banged up and they pay the third and Martin for him and they, and he walks, that would be a shitty scenario. So that's possible. And I think the other one is they have had trouble acclimating players from other teams in the past. They had Sheldon Richardson, they had Jimmy Graham, they had Percy Harvin, Dwayne Brown's much more simple. You go play left tackle and they put him in that cable scheme and he wasn't great in the cable scheme. So they've had if they have trouble acclimating him again, that's more of a Seattle problem. But I would like to think Schneider learned the lesson from Sheldon Richardson after Nathan was the most uh, critical of anyone I saw about them saving those comp picks up when they had all those guys coming off that year. And John Schneider didn't see it. They made those signings of Dixon and Jerron Brown, guys who we're talking about cutting now, Mingo. That was bad. I'd like to think they've learned from that. And this offseason seemed to – make it seem like they value comp picks again. So that's why I don't see the Sheldon thing happening, but the Sheldon thing was more desperate. I think this was a unique opportunity because of the Miami situation and because they had a whole pass rusher from the Frank thing. That's where I see this a little different. I think this was more unique and an opportunity they took advantage of rather than acting from a point of desperation because of how Malik McDowell unfolded. And at least LJ Collier is coming back and they have some guys there, but yeah, there's definitely risk. There's not. There's a reason he's available. Yeah, there's, there's risk in not making the move too, though, right? Sure, of course, yeah. I mean, if you had to get, I mean, that that's where you you have to look at these moves in general and say, what's the risk of them not making this move? And you betting on Ezekiel Ansa being healthy the whole year and having no one comparable to step in for him, that you're betting on Jacob Martin because Mar- Marquise Mingo, we all agree, was going to be cut, right? Like, so he's not even part of this. That Jacob Martin was going to be able to step up and contribute um and 
the third round pick, I absolutely think any third round pick is high. That's it. That's, I mean, Seahawks third round picks uh, really quickly of late. Third round pick this year, Cody Barton. Last year, Rasheem Green. Year before, Shaquille Griffin, Delano Hill, Nazir Jones, Amara Darbo. It does change. CJ Proslace, Tyler Lockett, uh, a guy named Russell Wilson. And if you go back to those those bad ones that you rattled off, Naz, Amaro, Amar Darbo, and Delano Hill, those were all comp picks, right? Comp picks, we talk about third-round comp picks, they're really fourth rounds, right? They're, they're after the third round. And so, again, like, you can say, oh, well, if he walks, they just get a third-round comp pick. Like, well, yes, maybe. But what is, you know, those are those are not super valuable all the time, right? I mean, it's good, it's something, but, like, if you had to bet right now, both of you, bet your bet everything you own on it, like everything. Do you think that they're making this trade with the assumption they're going to sign Clowney or making the trade with the assumption that they're not? That they will. Jeff? Me, me too. That's I, I think they're expecting to sign him. Now talk to me about, assuming that's the case, why do you think that they are willing to make this trade with the assumption that they're going to sign him when they weren't willing to sign Clark? I know I'm not talking about whether it was good moves independently. I'm saying they did not, they traded Clark because they did not want to pay him the money he wants. Everything we know is that Clowney wants at least that much money, if not more. Why are they willing to pay Clowney when they weren't willing to pay Clark? Jeff, you have any guesses? Nathan, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I mean, I think I think Jeff kind of hit it on the head. Like, I think part of this is just that it's opportunistic, right? Like, um, they not to downplay like Schneider's uh, what he did here, but like they did kind of just. I mean, the situation was there. Like, they didn't create the situation, right? They lucked into the situation a little bit, and then and then Schneider like you know pulled it off. Um, so that's part of it. And then I think that I think that that's probably also partly true with Clark. I think that the they were a little opportunistic in um, shopping him and got a, a big offer from Kansas City and they took advantage of the opportunity. Right. So I think that's a combination of that. I don't think this is a team that's not going to sign defensive ends. Um, I don't think I don't even think that, you know, with the analytics and everything, we talk about pass blocking matter mattering more than pass rushing. I don't even think most analytics folks would say like never spend money on defensive ends. Like some of these guys are worth it. Right. Um, so, and I don't think Seattle's at the point either. So I think that they just kind of felt it out and like, let it come to them a little bit and they, you know, knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Uh, if I was guessing to answer that first, I'd say that a much better comp than Sheldon maybe for this is probably Marshawn. If you re- remember why they got Marshawn, how they got Marshawn, it's a very similar scenario. They drafted CJ Spiller that year. Marshawn had fallen out of favor for some things, bad attitude or laziness or not fitting in in Buffalo. I think that's a better comp. They have like a four and a five. That's closer to a three in terms of hit rate than the high second they gave up for Sheldon. But in terms of why Clark maybe and not Clowney or what not why Clowney and not Clark, if you just look at the kind of guys that Carol and John Schneider like ooze over, they love that high upside first overall big ceiling kind of guys, Percy Harvin, even try all the 2013 shitty draft picks they've tried to resuscitate. They just love that kind of player. They always have. Those are the kind of players that they've always gone for. They love that high home run swing. 
and as good as Frank was and as Frank was internally, Frank was, there's just a different level of athlete as good as Frank is. And I can see that I'm just like oozing over Clem. Maybe not the best word, but like that's the kind of athlete that these two have gone after this entire time. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm noting Ian Rappaport talking about uh, Jacob Martin's not a household name, but just talked to a G GM who gushed about his motor and how perfect fit he is for the Texans. So that's uh, yeah, I mean, I remember that might be coming from Houston for PR. Oh, a hundred percent. No doubt about it. But let's not pretend like every Seahawk fan wasn't talking about Jake and Martin a week ago. Like, oh, oh yeah. our is going to be fine. We have Ansa and Martin. Martin's going to, this is the year. Like, I would say the hardcore Seahawks fans. I think the average Seahawks fan would not know who Jacob Martin was. Maybe, maybe that's true. But like a lot of the folks on Seahawks Twitter, you know, that I, we interact with. Um, but then, yeah, and then today I've got somebody telling me, well, Martin, what? It, Martin might not have even made the fifty-three. Like, what? Uh, <laughs> that is ridiculous. Like, calm down. No, no. That's what I'm saying. Like I said that at the jump, and and I, you know, I'm not going to rain on the parade on this trade at all. I just. I think Jacob Martin has real upside and, and can be a really good player in this league. And to me, that's just another, he was a six round pick last year. So again, Schneider, we talk about that. He had a real drought in the draft. His last two drafts are looking really good. I mean, this is part of that draft now. Um, this absolutely is part of that draft. Um, kind of generous. <laughs> well, what you, you drafted a guy in the sixth round who had enough value the next year to be a central part of this deal. I think he's certainly more central than Markevious Mingo was. I mean, yeah, I mean, but like, you don't get to like replace Jacob Martin's name on the, the draft list with Jadavian Clowney. Now. No, of course not. That's different, but, but. But you're right. I mean, it's just, it's more evidence of how well he, Schneider is doing with all. Do you think Jacob Martin was valued in this deal as a six round pick or as higher? Right, higher, exactly. Right. He was probably valued more like a third round pick in this deal. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure they liked Martin. He's a good fit for their three, four as an outside rusher. They don't probably think they're getting nothing, but there's just a different one's a situational rusher and one's a all pro level player. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of took us uh, sideways, but to answer my own question about why, why Clowney not Clark, I think, I think some of it's the, 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 the timing for sure. And the timing, there's multiple pieces there. I think they know more about their team now than they did back when Clark wanted that deal. They did not have Bobby Wagner signed. You know, they didn't know what they were going to do, what that was going to cost. They didn't, you know, they had other things that were question marks. I think they can see, they didn't know if, they didn't have Ansa. You know, they didn't know what that was going to look like or that they could even get someone like him. And then I don't have proof in it, of this at all. This is just my conjecture and reading between the lines different conversations I've had with different folks. I think there's reason to question whether Frank Clark was going to be the same player after he got his money as he was before. And I think the Seahawks had some question about that. And Clowney, I don't know that, that there is the same question. Um, well, question about Clowney though, right? Like to get back to the risk on this a little bit. Um, what you were saying and what it sounds like, I guess, from the reporting is that Houston wasn't taking Clowney back. Like, and, and that seems clear by what they just traded him for. Right. Yes. So for some reason that bur that bridge got burned and, and for all I know it could be, I mean, like I'm not saying Bill O'Brien's an angel, right. So maybe that's, maybe that's part of it, but like there is some character question with Clowney. I don't know if it's a character question. I, I read Sure, you could call it that. I yeah, think that's I mean, for lack of a better word. 
Yeah, I read some stuff literally where they were talking about that he is uh, that football is a professional. Yeah, you know, he's a professional now, and he uh, he laughs and jokes too much and doesn't seem to always take things too seriously. <laughs> like that in Seattle's locker room would be everybody like that that it's just a different environment and uh i also would say that if i'm the texans again it gets back to do you believe that he's a better fit in seattle's defensive scheme than houston's and if you do and i think all three of us do then he's worth more to seattle than he is to, to houston and houston may not have wanted to to sign him long term to be a better than average pass rusher. Like he might be more than that for, for Seattle. So um, anyway, fellas, I've got to start wrapping this up or because we got to get back here at five yeah. <laughs> uh, for another show. Any, any closing thoughts before we, uh, we, we close this down? Oh uh, yeah, just quickly. We've talked about this a bunch, but I just think we've hammered John Schneider's last couple of years and this has been such a good offseason for him. And I just think the best way to look at it is just the asset management. They turned Frank Clark, into a first and second round pick. We've talked about what they did with all those additional draft picks, that trade tree. And then with that trade, he got a similar player or a comparable, maybe a better one for a fraction of that price. That is as good as asset management as you can do. It's the opposite of the Sheldon Richardson where they blew their own comp picks by signing players they're going to cut two years later. This is a positive sign. And that we've talked about, the Schneider's had the offseason of his life, probably the best, probably since 2012. Signing Russell, signing Wagner, training Clark, getting Clowney. What looks like a pretty good draft. They needed this because they were a team that kind of fluked into that 10-win season last year. This changes their upside, and that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really really the story, like, to kind of expand on it, I guess, a little bit. Like, we're Schneider had a few years there where the drafts were not good. Um, he had the Sheldon Richardson trade. He didn't capitalize on Richard Sherman's trade market and then let him walk, didn't capitalize on Earl Thomas's trade market and then let him walk. Um, but now he's coming off of what looks like, I mean, at least uh, last year's draft looks okay. Uh, you know, Penny notwithstanding um, this year, this year's class looks, well, I mean, you can't just ignore that he threw away first round pick. Oh, no, no, no. That's I'm shaking my head at that pick. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, and then was... you know, this, this class looks more interesting. Um, they trade Clark and they get a haul. They bring in Clowney and they give up, you know, especially compared to what they got for Clark, you know, pennies. Um, and so, yeah, I mean like everything with Schneider right now is pointing up and the management of this team looks good. There's not perfect. Right. But like, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, if, if I, I, if I was John Schneider right now, I would be real proud of myself, I think. Yeah, I think you guys said it really well. I, I was I, I was talking with uh, someone recently who, who knows the inside of that team really well and, and the players on the team really well and feels like things are, are moving back. And this was before the deal completed. Feels like this team is poised to do a lot more than, than what people realize. And I will get to our predictions this afternoon. So folks should definitely tune back in at five o'clock. We'll go game for game, talk about whether we think we're going to win that game or lose that game. We're going to go through all the cuts. Uh, hopefully they're all announced by then. The Seahawks do tend to take their time with those. There may be more trades. We'll talk about those. But 
I believe this team is in a really good position to make noise. And I, if I'm a Rams fan, if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm not feeling very good right now. I, I'm feeling a little bit more uneasy than I was a few hours ago. And you still got the best quarterback in this division and one of the best in the game. I think you arguably have the best offensive lineman in the division. Um, you might have the best offensive line in the division. Now you may have the best front seven in the division. And if you're starting to point towards a, a, a place where, you know, you could win a division, you're talking about a buy. And that's when things start to get interesting in the playoffs. So I think this move, people talk about whether it's a Super Bowl move or not. I don't think about it like that. Do I think the Seahawks are one to two wins better than they were before this move? I think that's legitimately possible. So huge, huge move, super exciting. And if nothing else, man, it's going to be fun watching him slide a Seahawks jersey on and rush, hopefully in eight days at home. Can you imagine if they announced the defense and he is part of the starting announcement? Can you imagine what CenturyLink Field is going to do if he's part of those announcements? Even if he's not, when he walks on that field, it is going to be amazing. He's going to be part of the announcements. They're going to, he will. Like he might not start, but he will put part of the announcements. Yeah. So carry that flag out and everything. Oh man. It's going to be amazing. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be floating the rest of the day, maybe the rest of the week. It is going to be hard to focus on work, <laughs> but man, this is great. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys this afternoon, five o'clock PM Pacific time. We will be back here for real Hawk talk. Please. If you haven't already subscribe on YouTube, subscribe in your podcast apps, uh, give us reviews, uh, thumbs up. All those things are great. And, you know, uh, donate in Super Chat. Donate, uh, become a patron, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. This is the year to do it, folks. It's going to be great. So cheers to everybody. And For the we love of God, stop bugging me about comp picks in my mentions. Get out of my mentions about comp picks. I'm not talking about it anymore. <laughs> Nathan, see the light. Just just, just be positive and, and uh, people will just listen to everything you say it's a totally different world i get plenty of people listening to what i say when i'm pessimistic it's just the mentions that are the problem <laughs> i know I, I i feel your pain i i do so you be you all right, all right everybody cheers go hawks